Please turn in your New Testaments to John 15, verse 5. John 15, 5, as we continue in our series, Organic Spirituality. Have I got some good news for you this morning from John 15, 5. And this is the very Word of God. Jesus is speaking. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I read a best-selling book about, I think it's been about four years ago now, that lots of you I think have read. Uh, It's a book by Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers. And it's about these extraordinarily talented gifted and now famous people and how they kind of got to be uh, what they are. And Malcolm Gladwell uh, basically boils it down to, to one thing. He says that uh, to, to, be, to have mastery in some field, it takes 10,000 hours of practice. For Malcolm Gladwell, this is the secret sauce of success. It is what made Bill Gates Bill Gates. In the computer world, it's what made the Beatles the Beatles and and I won't give you the whole book and 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 several more and it is so interesting to think about people who could be that focused to pursue one thing for 10,000 hours. So, what does a successful spiritual life look like? What does a real spiritual life look like? Is it simply a religious application of the 10,000-hour rule? That, that the more you do with God, the more you do for God, the more of God you get. And the better you become. Well, I will tell you that for most religions, the answer is to that is yes. It's kind of the 10,000-hour rule. And, and look, I, I would say it's unashamedly Yes. That's what you do. You do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. You focus, you focus, you focus. You climb the seven-story mountain to God to, and you, you gain mastery. But in our text, Jesus says no. No, no, no. Jesus says that the spiritual life is about one thing. And that one thing is Connection. It is about who we are in him before it is about what we do for him. And it is our connection with Christ that changes us, motivates us to live with him, love him, and serve him in our lives. What this is about is what we call union with Christ. That's the that's the $10 word. For what this is. Union with Christ. Now you know it's interesting because. You know we were asking. You know what what does it mean to be a successful disciple? By the way that's not a bad question at all. The Bible in describing who we are as disciples. Followers of Jesus. Only uses the word Christian three times. Christian's not really a word that's, that's used to describe us, but there is this term of connection 
it, it is to be, here's the term, in Christ or in Him. You know how many times that's, been, that's used in describing who we are, what real spirituality is? 161 times. This is how God talks about who we are and therefore what we are becoming and what difference it makes in our lives and what difference it makes in the lives of other people. This is about the Christ-connected life. And, and here in John 15, Jesus gives us a picture to show what the spiritual life is like. Don't we love pictures? So here's the picture. Here's what it looks like. That Christ is a vine. Think of a, a like a thick vine, like in a, in a, in a, in a uh, great a vineyard. You know, the vines are real thick. A thick vine. And we, that's Christ, we are the branches that come off the vine. I do realize that in modern parlance, we kind of call the whole thing the vine. But that's not true. It is the vine and it is the branches that come off the vine. And the grapes are on the branches that are connected to the vine. So if you'd write this down, I want to kind of work off of this sentence this morning. And this will kind of give you something to remember and and maybe something to kind of bring you back to, to where we need to be in relationship to Christ. Living in the vine is the fruitful life of love. Write that down. Living in the vine is the fruitful life of love. Living in the vine, back in verse 1 of John 15, it's one of the I am statements of Jesus. You know, like, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, 1 says, I am the true vine now we don't understand how remarkable that statement said out loud in that context of judaism really was that was a no-no to say i am the vine and here's the reason why tradition had taught and we find in old testament teaching in psalm 80 and isaiah 5 that israel was called the vine. And God was called the vine dresser or the vine keeper. And now Jesus says, it's not Israel. I am the vine, Jesus says. You see, at that time, it was considered if you were a a functioning part of Israel, then you had life with God. But I think we, we, most of us know here in, in the Old Testament, Israel failed Israel turned from God. Their their hearts were far from God. And they are a picture, not of a vine that we can always count on, but they are a picture of our hearts. We're like them. And Jesus says, here alone is what you can be a part of that will never fail you. I am the true vine. Not Israel, but me. I am the true vine and you are the branches. You can be a part of me. You can have union with me. You can remain close to me 
And I will constantly be with you and I will constantly provide for you. I will constantly love you and I will never leave you. You will have all you need in me. I am the true vine. That was a radical statement said out loud at that time. Live in me, Jesus says. Connect with me. Live in me. The word is abide. Some translations say remain, keep living. It's, it's this keep on being in me. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you live in me, abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever lives in me, abides in me, and I in him, it is he who bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, the Son of God came to us because we could not go to God. The Son of God came to connect us to the divine. It is in the flesh of Christ. It is in the humanity that Jesus took up that becomes that that part of the God-man that he represents us. He becomes like us so that on the cross, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him because he was one of us in our place. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, as I've heard it said before, he was dying on the cross. And just as he said it is finished, this is only an illustration. He grabbed God with one hand the divine with one hand and us with another and brought them together and said it is finished. The connection is now complete. Now you can be connected to God. I want you to to think about how amazing this is. We are not Plants. We're not little potted plants. We're nothing like you could buy at Lowe's. We don't have roots. There is no soil that we have no roots and there is no soil that can produce an authentic spiritual life before a holy God. No, we are branches. And there's a big difference between being a little plant with roots and being your own thing and being a branch that cannot survive without the nutrients and the life and the love of the vine. I am the vine, Jesus said, the true vine. You are the branches. This is incredible. Apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. You know, the modern ear hears that, and we're not sure we like that. Before we kind of think about what that says, apart from me, you can do nothing. In fact, it's definitely one of the things that people hate about Christianity. You, you do understand that, like, lots of people hate Christianity. And one of the reasons, of course, is that Jesus says, there is no vine but me. I am, Jesus says. I am the way. Another am statement. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And there it is. 
There is the exclusivity that God has taken up human flesh so that we could be drawn up into God and have union and to say that we can't do it on ourselves, on our own, that apart from me you can do nothing is reprehensible to a lot of ears and a lot of hearts. But if God is both glorious and holy, you know, it all depends on who God is. It doesn't depend on how you're feeling about a teaching one day. It doesn't depend on how something makes you feel. If God is sovereign, great, glorious, and holy, if that's what God is like, nothing but God himself can save us. It is called, drum roll please, grace, not works. It is gift. It is love. It is the vine. And he is all we need. This is so wonderful. I want you to picture a disconnected branch just pulled out of the vine. It's, just, it's dead. It's dry. It's brittle. You know, you you prune it, and that's another sermon about the vine dresser and the pruning. But you prune it. Uh, Just yesterday, I was pruning some things, and uh, which is a rare occurrence, and uh, and I still hadn't taken it to the street. I kind of like to do it in phases, you know. So I got a I got a bunch of things sitting in a pile, like like um, limbs, you know, these small limbs on trees. And you know what? This morning I looked out the back window this morning, really wasn't looking at them, but I couldn't help noticing they still had leaves on them. If I were to leave them out there for two weeks, which might happen, you think there's going to be green leaves on those, those branches? No. Why? Because they're no longer into the sap. They're no longer into the trunk. They're no longer, if you will, into the vine. And, uh, and, and this, is, this is a beautiful thing for us to picture. I mean, y'all, it's really an all or nothing picture. It's life or death. It's abundant, flowing, nutrient life of the Spirit. Or it is futile life. So, first is... Living in the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. Living in the vine is the fruitful life of love. So that second part has to do with this being what Jesus calls the fruitful life. And we'll talk about what that means. I am the vine, he says. You are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So living in the vine, we grow. Living in the vine, we actually yield fruit. There's actually something wonderful that happens in our lives and through our lives because of God's grace coursing through our veins as we are the branches. So what is this fruit? And this is really interesting to, to ask evangelicals what the fruit is. We immediately think of evangelism, mercy ministry, missions, um, different kinds of giving. That that is the fruit of living in the vine. And, and that, that is, don't get me wrong, but there's something that's much more intimate and much more about connection of you as a 
person who you are and what God wants to do in you, you see. The, the fruit of the vine, if, if you looked at Galatians 5, 22 and 23, that's what we call the fruit of the Spirit. And so maybe this is a way to look at what the fruit is. And just think about how wonderful this would be as for God to really bring this fruit forth in our life. Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit of God working in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then, and only then, it's missions. And evangelism and mercy ministry. We, 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 we don't realize, when we go straight to these things that we do as opposed to character traits that God is creating with us, you know, it is God that creates the fruit. We abide in the vine. It is He who abides in the vine that produces much fruit. And, um, and there's a really cool thing i got to tell you all this. The, the Greek word is the same word as the name of the early church father, Polycarp. I never really saw this until this week. You know, he took over for John at Ephesus. This is for free, by the way. He took over for John at Ephesus. His name was Polycarp. And I'm thinking, Polycarp, is that like different from monocarp? I mean, what is this? Polycarp is the Greek word for much fruit. Isn't that great that his parents named him Much Fruit? I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain, live in me, and, and I in you, it, it is, it is, that's the one who, who will polycarp, who will bear much fruit. The fruit we bear in the vine is the character of Christ being formed in our lives. And, and this fruit is, is maybe, and think about fruit now, Think about like a really sweet apple. Have you ever been to one of those places where they really, not like the supermarket, but where they grow apples, like amazing apples on the side of the road, and you bite one of those, or maybe like you go to the like a tropical place and you eat one of their pineapples, and it's not like our pineapple. It's so sweet. It's so amazing. And this fruit, love, joy, peace. Look, this fruit is kind of what people taste in our lives. With them. Wouldn't it be an interesting question to ask, what do you taste like to people? What do you taste like to people? What kind of, what is the fruit? Living, abiding in the vine, you taste like the sweetness of God's love. You taste like grace. You taste like peace. You taste like joy, gentleness, kindness. Y'all, these things matter. These are the things in our relationship that actually impact other people, get their attention, and open a door of curiosity to see where that fruit comes from. I actually love the idea that we bear much fruit we are polycarp, much fruit, the abundant life, Jesus calls it, that blesses others. I, I 
when I was a teenager, uh, you know, I, I lived in a small town. I think it was 8,000 people in the town. It's called Quincy, Florida. Great place to grow up, you know. Like, on the one hand, it was really safe because everybody knew everybody. On the other hand, it was hard to get away with much because everybody knew everybody. And, uh, and man, I tell you, I grew up in a neighborhood that was pretty much all boys but one or two girls, and we just didn't really hang out with them. And uh, we really spent a lot of time in the woods. You know, early on, that was like Marines and, and Army men and, and cowboys and Indians. And then as we got older, it was forts. And then it was the things we could build, and we had our domain out in the the woods, and and uh, then there were expeditions from the fort. And you got to understand, I kind of lived on the south edge of town, and you could walk out of our neighborhood, you could walk across a road, and you could just keep going out into the county. And we were having expeditions out into the county, and we just never realized that if you went down the highway that comes into to Quincy, and you just went down, it wasn't even cross Quincy Creek. And it was about hmm, half a mile on the left. And I, we all wondered, what's down there? And there was like this small road, uh, kind of not used very much, very inviting to somebody in their teens. Uh, so we go down this road. I mean, this just feels like a place, like we're like Lewis and Clark or something. It's a mile from our house. There's just no way to get there but to kind of walk unless you have a Jeep. So we walk down this road. And we go, I don't know, half a mile. And lo and behold, there's the most incredible long lake. I mean, it's not a huge lake. Maybe 60 acres or something. But it, and it's, it's just hidden. And it's just covered with, with trees all around it. And, and even better, we found an old John boat. You know, a wooden boat turned over with paddles. So, of course, we turned it over, got in it, and... Now, before you think I'm just a vandal or something like that, it's just a little different in a small town, and this wasn't, to my knowledge, a private lake. But I probably shouldn't be telling this story. The pastor, the pastor made me do it. <laughs> the pastor showed me I could do that. Well, we got out in this, this lake, this wild lake, and, and we had our fishing gear with us, and, and my friend spotted something immediately. He had just a way of doing this. You know, some people just see stuff. He spotted something immediately that I did not see. He spotted across this narrow lake, there was this gigantic vine of scuppernongs that had just totally taken over this, this small tree like a bush. And these this, this vine of scuppernongs, I'll explain to you that don't know what these are in a second, uh, was hang- and it was just laden with scuppernongs. Now, do you know what scuppernongs are? Okay, some of you do. Some of you are like, what? Scuppernongs are kind of like muscadines, but they're wild and they're a lot sweeter. Okay, what are muscadines? Muscadines are these grapes that have really thick skin and you can't eat the skin. you got to spit out the skin. But you, you just bite into that thing and... Um, and it's just so sweet. And there are other beverages made from muscadines to these days. Uh, Scuppernongs are even more sweet. So there we are. We are paddling across this lake. And my friend, he just knows what to do. He just backs that John boat right under that vine and starts shaking that vine. And the entire bottom of the boat is just covered with scuppernongs. 
And y'all, it is just the sweetest thing, literally, because the smell of this vine is so sweet and aromatic. And then the, these grapes, these sweet grapes are just, are just all over the bottom of this boat. It, it kind of felt like a, an unexpected gift. There's just sweetness everywhere. And yes, if you looked, it was not hard to see that these scuppernong branches were rooted into a really old and thick vine that kind of held it all together. And you know, we got a bunch of those. And I was able to give my stolen scuppernongs to other people. There's something wonderful for us about living in the vine. It means we, we bear fruit and it's sweet. And it means that as we are living in the vine and as we are bearing fruit, it's just yet another indication that we belong to Him. That's what verse 8 says. We can rest in Him and we can, we can enjoy Him. Verse 8 says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Now, don't take that as some kind of a threat because, you know, some people like overestimate the amount of fruit in their life. And then there's like some of the Eeyores among us who say, I don't have any fruit in my life. And that's not true either. But take this as an encouragement because if you've been grafted into the vine, if, if Christ is in you and you are in Christ, this is how we can have a fruitful life. And a fruitful life is a purposeful life. And when Christ is conveyed through us and the sweetness is tasted by other people because we have tasted the sweetness and the gospel is tasted by other people, there is, Jesus says in this text, there is joy. This is where purpose and joy come from. Verse 11, these things that I've spoken to you, I've spoken them that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I mean, this is our purpose, to know and enjoy God and to glorify God by bearing much fruit, the character of Jesus, the love of Jesus and ministry to a needy world. I just wonder how you taste to your neighbors. We need to ask the question of whether we're resting in God's grace, whether we are dwelling, living in the vine. You know, do y'all watch TED Talks? Usually inherently secular, but very interesting. In TED Talks, they kind of coined the term, it turns out, it tur- after all, our sociological research it turns out they say on ted talks that to be happy requires some purpose that actually makes a difference in other people's lives we're like we would have never known that we've only been reading that in john 15 for 2000 years i love how the research is just so amazing and we're like okay can you get to something we don't know because that is what God has made us to do, to know him, to love him, and, and, to, and, to, and to be a, a, a bearer of fruit. And Jesus says this fruit that comes from being with him in his love and, and living in him and living in his word, he says, 
This fruit is the kind that really matters. It is fruit that remains. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that the fruit should remain. The fruit should last. The fruit should be that fruit that God wants to give the world through you. So... Living in the vine is the fruitful life of love. And that's this last thing. It is the life of love. But it's not just loving other people, as we just kind of talked about this fruit. It's not just loving other people with God's love. It is our living in abiding in, remaining in God's love. It is our continually receiving that which we are designed to crave. Real love. Real acceptance. Real commitment. is ours. This is like the meaning of life kind of stuff. And it is because Jesus is the vine. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Live in my love. Don't read that too fast. Did, Did Jesus just say to the extent that the Father has loved the Son from all eternity as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Did He just say that that is the extent, that's the reality of how much the Father loves and Jesus loves us sinners who through the flesh of Christ, the only connector to God, have been brought into relationship through this gospel, through this cross, through faith, in what Christ has done, that He is our vine. Yes, He just said it is the same love that the Father loves the Son. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And it gets better. Now, He says, live in my love. Live in my love today. Today, you could put your trust in Jesus and what he's done and gain union with God through God to the rescue, Jesus Christ, if you've never done that. Or today, you say, I just don't feel very loved in my life. Today, you could remember how much Christ loves you, that he died for you. You could remember that. You can remember today how consistently Christ has loved you and never turned away from you. And how, even though it wasn't just according to our plan and schedule, how consistently Christ has provided for you and been reliable to give you all that you really need The vine, you see, is now. I am the vine. 
You are the branches. The nutrients flow now. Love is happening from God to me, from God to you in Christ right now. If we would open our eyes, if we would cease striving and know that he is God, if we would cease our relentless pursuit of everything and rest in the one thing that is the love of God in Christ. In Christ, God loves you. I'm talking about you today. Sinclair Ferguson puts it this way, the believer must rest in his or her life on the love of Christ. We must never allow ourselves to drift away from daily contemplation on the cross. And then this is what I love about this quote. Never allow ourselves to drift away from daily contemplation of the cross as our irrefutable or irrefutable demonstration of that love once and for all. We must never allow ourselves to drift away from our dependence upon the Holy Spirit given to us by Christ who sheds abroad this love of God in my heart and your heart. And we have Him and we have His love. Isn't that beautiful? It's sweet. It smells sweet. It tastes sweet. And we can give it to other people. But we can enjoy and rest in that love. No 10,000 hours. A focused labor to gain the spiritual life. Just one thing. Just one name under heaven. Just one word. Jesus. It is all gift. He is all we need. And we can appropriate by faith that life and that love through his presence as the vine and we can be today his growing and fruit bearing branches i'm going to end by quoting to you from a book by rankin wilburn whom i know he's a pca minister in california but he wrote a a book a few years ago on union with christ called union with christ the way to know and enjoy god i recommend that book union with christ the way to know and enjoy god but he kind of puts it from a different angle Because sometimes we're like all about resting in grace and we don't need to bear fruit. And then sometimes we're like, we're all about bearing fruit and we never get to rest in God's grace. You know, we kind of are pendulum people. He says in this book, he asks the question, how do we bring together extravagant grace with radical discipleship? Can those two go together? Extravagant gift. And radical discipleship. And here's his answer. Union with Christ holds together the grace of the gospel and the demands of discipleship through the gift. Through life in Jesus. We are loved in the vine and we can follow him as we are connected in the vine and we can love in his name as we are connected in the vine. Living in the vine is the faithful, fruitful life of love. Let me read to you our text again. Close your eyes as we go to prayer while I read, if you don't mind. I am the vine. You are the branches. 
Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are God and man and our vine. If you've never put your trust in what Christ has done for us on the cross, and you see you can't climb a ladder to God, 10,000 hours won't matter, and you want to put your trust in Christ, then pray with me. Lord, I turn from everything that I've called religion and everything I've called Christianity, and I turn from myself and my sin and put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done for me on the cross. Come into my life. Lord, I receive you as the living Lord. I receive you as the vine. I pray that you would lead me and and flow your nutrients and your love to me and grow me and bear fruit that others might taste and see that you are good. Oh, Lord, many of us have walked with you and we just kind of lost that sense of taste. God, would you bring us back to the ability to rest in the vine and find our life, our security, our identity, and our love in the vine that you might allow us to love other people in your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.